Hi, uh, before we start the actual episode, I wanted to mention for some of the people that, that listen to the podcast, but they don't check out the website, I wanted to mention that uh, I'm going to be offering another free mentorship uh, for this last part of May for two weeks. Um, the last one was fun for me, and I'd love to do it again. So um, if you're interested, what you can do is you can just email support at IndieGamePod.com and just mention the project that you're working on that you need help with and also the genre that it's in. Thanks again. And now on to the show. Hi. Hi. Welcome to the show. How about you introduce yourself? Hi, my name is Nicolas Grigi and um, I live in Germany and I um, started my company part-time indie this year, I think. Yeah. And, and uh, I've, okay, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> and I've been working um, on my current game, Wheel Glow the Wisp, for, I don't know, almost half a year now. I think, in my spare time. For the listeners out there, what website can they visit to find out more information about the game? Um, it's www.parttimeindie.com. Okay. All and, one word. Okay. <laughs> and um, okay. And so, is this your first game, or, or have you worked on any games before? Um, I did um, one Android game before. Um, I um, basically it was for me to learn, and it was like for my girlfriend, <laughs> and yeah, it was it was more a learning project. But I still released it um, to the App Store. It was not successful though, but still. <laughs> okay. So, and and what did you use any tool, or did you use did you do it natively yeah. in Android? No, I am I'm using Unity. Okay. And what then inspired you to do the second game? So that first game, it was a learning experience, but but what? inspired you to do the second game? So basically, the, um, it's a little bit um, tricky. I am um, Basically, I re I, before I did the first game even, I um, reduced my hours um, in my day job okay. um, to work on games more. So I, I'm basically working um, 28 hours a week now. And the rest of the time I'm working on my game, or depending on which game. And um, when the 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 game I released was just because um, I thought I um, was working on a way too big project in the first place. I think a mistake many people do, and yeah. <laughs> and then I figured I do something really small. And me and my girlfriend saw a game. It's it's basically almost a copy of a board game, but it's um not quite. But it's like not a not a, I would say not a real game because I didn't really um. I didn't really invent anything. It was more for me to get used to Unity and um, see how it works. And yeah, and then afterwards, basically, I decided to um, um, to um, take a smaller project again, and that's how I came up with Will Go to Wisp. Um, and and what's for the audience out, out there again? What's the what's the exact title of the name of, of the game that you're working on? Will glow the wisp. It's like will o the wisp just glow. Okay. And yeah. um, and what what type of game is it? It's kind of hard to explain, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I'm always saying it's a mix of what um, Super Meat Boy, Flappy Bird, and Asteroid, <laughs> but I don't know if that's actually helpful at yeah, all. Yeah, I mean, I I saw you know I saw a video of it. I I like the mm -hmm. minimalist style. You know, mm -hmm. it seems like it. What um. I guess what inspired you to so it's it's like a space shooter, right? Like it's but yeah. but it's like you're but you are you are it's like it looks like a space shooter, but yeah. you're in um, you have gravity, so gravity is pulling you down, and okay. you 
um, the controls feel, that's why I'm saying Flappy Bird, feel a little bit like Flappy Bird, but not really like you. You have the left stick, which can aim in any direction, and then if you press the, um, what it's the X button, I think, on the Xbox controller, yeah. uh, A button, I'm sorry, the A button, if you press the A button, um, um, you basically um, thrust into one di- in the, the direction of the stick, and because the thrust is pretty strong, you o- you're supposed to only tap the 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 thrust button all the time and but people didn't really quite get it i gave it to some let's players and it's like i don't know if the controls will stay the, stay the same but yeah yeah that's the, that's the basic idea and then you have a dash a directional dash which will um basically uh, moves you forward re- really quickly into the direction of the stick that is with the x button is this game going to be for android or, or what what platform are you aiming for and so um, currently I'm aiming for Steam and I'm in contact with Microsoft um, to get it on Xbox One maybe, I, I don't know. Okay. I submitted the game, I don't know what's going to happen, I cannot tell you. And um, afterwards, if it's um, well-received, day, I might do it for um, Android and um, iOS. Um, because I think I actually um, I posted some stuff on Reddit and people... A lot of people think it's for um, it's for mobile because the it feels like it's easy to control yeah. there. But um, I, I have to test that. I, I actually didn't test if that's true or not. But um, I figured if a lot of people think think it, it might be worth um, um, fig- um, trying out once the game is released. But currently, I'm I'm not really planning to go on on mobile again because the the store is so crowded; it's insane. Yeah, it's, but but doesn't isn't Steam pretty crowded too? What what are your thoughts? I mean, why do you think that it's going to it's going to be easier on Steam? You know, I I didn't try Steam, so I'm hopeful. Oh, okay. okay, yeah, no, <laughs> um, but but it's true. Like Steam is also crowded. But I think the big difference is that if you really like, I cannot talk about iOS because I didn't release on iOS. But if you release on Steam right now. You are guaranteed to be at the front page for I don't know half an hour maybe. Okay. But but you are guaranteed some some amount of time. I I am um, I heard it somewhere. And then afterwards, if your game game did well or not, am not, then it will continue to be there. In contrast, on the Android, <laughs> yeah. well, nothing. You <laughs> you you have no visibility. When I uploaded my game, and I searched in my category for my game, and I went through all the entries, there was nothing. You still couldn't find it. Like I don't know how people are supposed to find a game if, even if you put in the category, if you like, I put my game into the puzzle category and it was just not there. And I clicked through all the stuff; it was just not there. And and, yeah. and well, are you going to try to go through Greenlight or what? What process are you going to try to do? Yeah, um, I think this, the only option is Greenlight for Steam. Um, Okay, yeah, that's true. Well, I, I, wasn't, I, I wasn't sure if you started the process already because you could get, ah, no. you know, like just to kind of build a community and. and yeah, and, I I um I released an alpha, but not on Steam. So um, okay. um I I don't know. I figured if I go to Steam first of all, I was not sure how how well the how good the game is is yet, and so I didn't want it to have too big of an audience. Okay. And if I go to Steam, um, a lot of like I probably would need to charge money, or at least like most of people do. And I don't know. I didn't really wanted to charge money, and I didn't, I didn't really wanted to to have too many people looking at it. And you um, didn't so want to okay. iterate more over it, basically, because I'm not like I'm not that experienced with games, so. Well, what yeah. what game genres do you like the most? Like, I mean, are there? Do you have any personally? Preference? Yeah. Like, 
um, it actually changed quite a lot. Like in the past, I would say it, it would have been um, RPGs. But um, to be honest, I'm a guy who gets one game and then is playing that game almost all the time. So um, basically, I played what I've played StarCraft um, a lot. I played Diablo 2 a lot. I played World of Warcraft a lot. Uh, right now, I'm playing Rocket League. Oh, <laughs> I don't <yeah>. know. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, so it's multiplayer, right? I mean, it seems like you like multiplayer versus single player, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's true. But like the that's the games I play a lot, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that's like this. And then there are games that I play in between, and that's usually single player games. Okay. And then then there are like games like I played um, Super Meat Boy a lot. I actually really enjoyed it. Um, I played, what did I play? What else? I played Ori a little bit, but at some point it got, like if games, currently the trend in games is that um, it gets more complex over time, and I mean a lot more complex. Yeah. And for me, the problem is like I'm not playing these games straight through, so um, if I have, to, if I want to go back and I cannot figure out how it works, I will usually stop playing a game, and Ori was exactly that, that they introduced so many mechanics. Yeah. And I could not I could not keep up but it, the game looks great and it feels also great so I'm currently I'm basically going a lot for platformers I think like the most of the RPG stuff I'm I'm actually bought by right now it it always takes too long and I don't have that much time anymore yeah to invest well yeah. see that's the thing I feel like even for indie developers like really people like multiplayer you know and and blending it with other gameplay with normal physics or adventure platforming mm-hmm. gameplay that's what people are you know used like as you said you play a lot of rocket league and stuff like that and mm-hmm. you know and so the question is is as an indie developer do you feel that you the best the better approach might have been to try to go for a simple multiplayer game i know it's technically more dif- difficult but like the, yeah. but it but it lends itself to maybe more marketing or promotion because it is multiplayer and that's I mean, it, there's there's a lot of multiplayer games out there, but mm. at least it helps you stand out. <coughs> yeah, I mean, the thing is, um, I the first game I did, Force Mile, by the way, it's called, and it's basically a, I don't know, what is it, a puzzle? I, I don't know. It's almost like tic-tac-toe, a little bit, uh, a lot more um, complicated, but it's the basic concept is quite similar. And um, it's multi, multiplayer, multiplayer for Android, so um, I think you can do it. It's not, like, it depends on the game and, like, it always depends on how how much um, work um, in addition you have to do. Like the good stuff about multiplayer is that you um, you don't usually don't need to have that much content. Like if you look at Rocket League, there's like what now they have two levels, three levels, or five levels maybe. It's not actually not that much. And but um, the the thing for indies is I think that you need a lot of people to play yeah. the game. Um, to even start thinking about stuff like matchmaking, which I think is really important for a good game. And well, um, it's I think it's not the easiest um, first project. Like, and you yeah, also probably need need to support it longer. So, um, the I think what uh, what I wanted to do first is um, <laughs> um, a card game um, similar to Hearthstone or something like oh, that. Oh yeah, or yeah. What, whatever your last episode was about, I. Gods of War. What I oh cannot, yeah, yeah, uh, like uh, Godcaster <laughs> or something, right? Yeah, God, Godcaster. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I started that, but I figured because I'm completely on my own, 
it is like quite a lot of work and I will need to um, continue to do it. And so I canceled it. Yeah. And I'll oh, go ahead, guys. Yeah. So I, by the way, I really like Hearthstone. I didn't um, tell it, but I'm a magic player. So I, I really like that one as well. Yeah. And. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm just not, I'm just not sure that, um, for me right now, I wanted to go with a smaller scope game to get my feet wet a little bit, try out Steam, try out how, how it works to get on Xbox One. Um, basically get everything in order. I also the, the art I can completely do myself, which is kind yeah. of good for me right now. And so, so I really limited my scope and, um, that's why I didn't do multi, multi, I will probably at some point do a um, local multiplayer, but. It may, it may even need to be online multiplayer, I feel. I, I don't even think yeah, that yeah. will be enough. But yeah, That's but, true. But I see, um, I mean, you know, I, I, okay, yeah, and I think that's the other issue is as a, as a part-time indie, your goal is to become full-time or do you want to just do it as a hobby or what are your, what, what are your goals with this? So um, right now I'm... I'm fine how it is basically. I, I still earn enough money to um keep me afloat and yeah. um I can um do what I like. But um obviously if it if things work out and I can get enough money, like the the first game did no money. I basically lost money on that. So <laughs> um if I can make something similar I might um switch, but um it's it's like really um difficult because here in in Germany we have really high and good standards for employees. Yeah. So um so if I quit my job, um I'm actually taking a huge risk whereas like the the company I'm working for, they couldn't even deny me to work less time. <laughs> because I worked there for 2 years and in Germany there's a law that says you can reduce your hours after working 2 years for a company. All right. So okay. Yeah, so there, like, we have a lot of good, um, um, employee, employee laws. <laughs> and I, right now, I'm not willing to, um, um, to give all that up because it's really safe. And, but if, if stuff works out good and I feel like I can keep afloat, I would prefer to do it full time, obviously. But like, that's just, I just have to see how it, how it goes. If you lower your hours in Germany, do you get less pay, or, or is it yes. the same? Pay? Okay, so so it's still a risk, right? I mean, it's yeah. and and so what are your and and you mentioned your girlfriend. Is your girlfriend potentially helping you with the game, or, or does she feel that it's not a good idea to take oh, no, less um, hours there? No, um, she's supporting me, but she's not really like um. And the first game, she did a couple of um the the smileys. She drew them, but um. Um, she's currently studying social science, and okay. so, um, so she doesn't have that much time. She still has time, like, but um, also she plays the game, and she she actually likes the game, but um, but she's not directly involved in making the game. And have you thought of getting a business partner or someone else to potentially help you make the game? You know, because like you said, if you were to design a card game, doing it alone is it's crazy. I feel like it takes yeah. a lot of focus and just balancing yeah. and all these other things that you have to think about. I think that's yeah. that's an important thing that I feel indies sometimes misunderstand, and, and I have too. It's like you think that because you have Unity and other stuff, it does make de development easier, but mm. dude, it's like th sometimes there's just magic yeah. with working with someone else. And and we've seen that. We've seen that with uh, Vlambeer, right, where there's mm -hmm. two people. 
And even though they, you know, uh, I think the, one of the guys talks about how they left school, but, Mm -hmm. you know, and that would seem like, oh, that would be even worse, but they're really Mm -hmm. successful. And part of that, I think, is Mm -hmm. because they have two people and then you have other people, you know, Rocket League, I don't think was done alone. And and I have have no idea. (laughs) Yeah. And you have indie games that I think even Super Meat Boy was done by more than one person, right? Two persons for Super Meat Boy. So, so what are your thoughts on that? Because I think this is where people think indie means individual, and I think indie yeah. is actually it's a different approach or a unique idea. But dude, you mm-hmm. still need a small team. I think. What What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So um, basically, um, for me, the the thing is, I would I would team up with um artist um very quickly. I ha- would have no problem. The problem is most of the people I know are also um developers and. Um, because I'm working, um, basically I'm working one and one day, and then the next week two days. Like um, I cut out from work, and then sometimes on the weekend as well. Yeah. But um, if it, like like let's say I I work two two days on average, a week. Yeah. Yeah. So um, if if I have another another developer, the the cost of synchronization and Unity is not that great for uh, multiple developers doing um, doing different um, things. Um, it actually will get um it will cost me a lot of time as well and i'm like i have that enough in my day job <laughs> um all the synchronization between developers and stuff i'm working in a not in a big team but like in yeah. like 50 15 people or 10 i don't know um and so i i see there there is a lot of stuff we um, we need to communicate there's a need of, a lot of stuff like i right now i only need to take care that i can read my code i can understand it even later if I need to do that for other yeah. people, it gets more complicated. So I, I always felt like having another developer, um, and you also need to discuss game design stuff as well. So I think it costs a lot of time. I think it's really good for the game overall, to be honest. Yeah. But, um, for what I'm doing right now with only two days, I don't really think it's feasible because I will not, but, I really need to get stuff done quickly and I <laughs> don't think I but can. Here, here, no, here's the thing. I mean, and I'm just pushing back because yeah, yeah. I think um, I think this is a huge issue that I've just decided today, even myself. I'm just like, dude, I have to find someone because, <laughs> you know, the one issue is that, you know, look, you can kind of work. Look, there's a, you know, I've, you know, there's certain places where if I work on a game, even though I'm quote working, it never really works out. It never becomes a hit. It ne- you know, and then there's mm-hmm. like situations and even places where if I go there and I work on it, boom, I can get a hit. And I feel like, you know, there's like pretending to work and then there's actually effective work. And I think for at least me, it's like when you work with someone else and you're right, maybe not another developer, but at least someone else that you can bounce the game design off of who has a shared or vested mm-hmm. interest so they can actually say, you know what? I don't like this. I like this. What about this? What, you know, like they're, they're actually deciding with you. Mm-hmm. I, that has helped me. But I think it's difficult because the one issue with indies is they all want to do their own game. Like, yeah, that's the know. next thing. Yeah. I mean, the next so, thing is, is actually finding someone who is willing to um, <laughs> to work with you on one game yeah, and you know, doesn't have its own idea. His own ideas. Know, it's really difficult. And and I think no, there, we have to. We need to figure that out. That's the point of this podcast because <laughs> because look, I mean, we've just got you know, you, like I think you mentioned in the pre-interview that you you listen to the other podcasts, but dude, like this is a huge issue because if mm-hmm. we can, as a indie developers, figure out how people can work together with other people, then first of all, the games would get a lot better. 
And secondly, your development time would go down because even even if it does take longer, at least the game that you make will be a hit. See, because like you said, you released that first game on Android, and yeah, it's a mm. great first start. Yeah. But but could it have had a chance to be a hit? Who knows? And I think when you have someone else who's working on it, and maybe they just think about stuff like, hey, why don't we tweet this? What they come up with random ideas that you're not thinking about that can potentially at least promote it or improve it or or at least get some momentum. And and so I don't know. I mean, but but as I said, everyone wants to work on their own game. And then I'm like, okay, you know what? I have an approach which can work. And I think one approach is that you come up with a really good prototype or you get some success, then, then you, it's easier to get people to want to join you. Mm. But then once you get that success and people want to join you, then do you give them 50%? What, you know That's what the next thing, yeah. It's, it's, like, it's like really hard because like, um, once you start getting out of, um, of your own bubble, basically, yeah. you basically need to become a real business, basically. <laughs> because like yeah. right oh, now, yeah, I no, don't really feel like true. a real business. And then you need to worry about all this stuff. And <laughs> it's like a lot of overhead. I think it's really beneficial. Don't get me wrong. And I think you can do it. Um, like it also depends on how much money um, you are willing to spend. Like if you would say like, I think it's pretty easy for you to get people um, happy about a game and even invested um, if you can just pay them. <laughs> their, their... Yeah, you know, you're right. And, and so I was looking at that where I'm like, okay, you know what? The one option is that I can pay someone online to do that. Right. And I think the issue, though, is that to get a really good person to help you out who actually knows game development, game design, keeps mm -hmm. up on stuff, I think it has to be an equity thing. I think mm – -hmm. and, and I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe you have to – if you if I pay the really the right, right, right person – and they want so much money. By the, maybe the right, right, right person wants so much money that it's not even worth it. That because, might be the problem. Yeah. yeah. And so you need someone who's who's really good, who's willing to take a – kind of like a similar risk or at least a reduced risk but but is is for equity because once you once you pay them hmm. then i feel like you're right you might be able to get someone but dude like they can just bail at any moment yeah but like that happens all the time even if yeah you're right have. even even with someone <laughs> that's free you're right yeah i don't know i think that as the person in charge of the project i think because i'm just like look Ultimately, why is this happening? Why do indies kind of work alone rather than a team? It's because there's so much risk in your project. Why the heck would people want to join your project instead of their own, right? And so I think one, one thing you need to consider is that, okay, so I'm like, look, how do I actually make my project look like it's going to succeed? And then mm -hmm. even once it's going to succeed, I have to just put myself and understand that, you know what, even if it looks like it's going to make a ton of money, then I have to still be willing to offer people up to 50% or, you know, mm -hmm. or 20 more percentage than, than yes. is logical. Cause mm -hmm. I feel like once you get the momentum going fine, then I'll give them 20%. But you know what? That's not going to be enough. Once mm -hmm. you want to give them 20%, you probably have to offer them 30 or 40%. So it looks attractive. And then obviously you have the vesting and other stuff where you say, okay, well, if you work on it for six months or a year, then it kind of over time gets, gets to the 40% or 30%. You don't give it all up front. Then they quit in a week, you know. I mean, because that can happen. But I don't. But yeah. I don't know. Like um, when I, I I just went to a game jam one time. But I oh, think yeah. if you go to game jams, um, you can actually find people who are That's... who would be willing to help. But the problem is though that they um, might get excited and then bail out. Um, yeah, but, that's um, the risk. And I think that's but, where indies have to say, you know what? Fine, we'll work on this together. But if any of us flakes out for a certain amount of time, that's it. The other person can just take the project and work on it. 
Yeah. Maybe we um, it would be good to have some kind of um, legal document. Yeah, um, right. And maybe that's just where... having all that that figured out. I yeah, don't know. right. Like vesting and also some way because look, because there are little loopholes here. Because like what I just said of like okay, if mm. someone flakes out, then everyone can just take the code for themselves. Well, then what happens when you actually have a good game about to get finished, and then one person just decides, you know, what I'm going to flake out because then I can just own the whole code. Right, yeah, so yeah. that's like you said, the legal document I think is something definitely would be nice that would at least tie it in because at least game jams are are getting people together. That's a huge yeah. thing, right? That's happened in the last several years, but that's a huge thing where indie developers can get together mm-hmm. and they can come up with an idea. Like Surgeon Simulator was from yeah. a game jam, I think, um, yeah. and I think there were some other. Oh, Goat Simulator was from Goat a game Simulator, jam. yeah. So, so the game jam system is powerful for bringing people who have time you know that's another mm-hmm. good thing that game jam shows yes. is that if someone is willing to put in a game jam or go to a game mm-hmm. jam they have some time you know they have and, a little bit of time yeah yes. but have you been to game jams recently and, one and, time <laughs> one time and it was not that long ago it was the global game jam oh this yeah year, I think. the global game jam this year and and it and was did a you great meet anyone or, Yeah, I mean, did you meet yeah. anyone or, or from your? From I actually group? Yeah. met someone, yes, but um, it didn't. Like, um, I worked with a couple of artists together and some people who never even looked at a game engine or anything. Oh, yeah, yeah. Never coded, so um, um, they were more there to observe, and I was coding stuff, and it was really great experience. And afterwards, I um, tried to um, keep up in contact with um, the artist, and she did a little bit of um, sketching for me. But then afterwards, it kind of dried out, and I figured I can just do it myself because for the current project, it's fine. I just wanted to have some buttons and stuff. Yeah, and, I, I think, and, yeah. yeah I, I don't know. It's it's really hard, I feel, to get the right match, someone who's kind of got that understanding of what's going on, and also the desire to just really work on game develop, game design, right? I mean, you you have to be really good at what you're doing. You know, and part of that is like I don't know with you and picking up Unity if you started watching videos or learning stuff related to Unity, and just understanding the engine inside and out so that you can make a better game. You know, and that's something that a lot of people don't necessarily do. And then on top of that, the person that is working with you has to also get good at what they're doing. They have to have that desire. Yeah, I think the the easiest way, but I think um, from game games there were a couple of teams coming out. Like usually, I think it's best to have small teams, like two, yeah. two maybe three people. But I think you need, first of all, you need to have very similar interests in games. Like all the people I know actually have very different interests in games. Yeah, so, that's true. And that doesn't really help. And then the best thing is obviously if um, they have different talents than you. Because like then you don't yeah. need to so much synchronization. If you say, just go ahead and make the art for the game. Yeah. I trust you. Do your thing. We will be fine. And then that, that's great. That's the, the what, perfect thing. What about the newbies that you are talking to? Do you feel that just having them, maybe they could have just come in and, and I don't know. I guess a lot of people just, unless they're going to get paid, they're not going to do it. And the fact that you're willing to take some kind of risk makes you stand out anyways, right? And, yeah, but um, I think you can get um, you can get feedback from your friends as well. Like I, yeah, I, I ask I, around all the time and I, know, they, dude, I can but... even... I can even start to I can even start to um, get some ideas, but it's difficult because like most of the people don't put that much thinking into. Yeah, that's um, what I'm saying. Like if you had a partner where it's like, okay, you know what, you guys are committed, it makes a huge difference. Okay. Yeah. I I mean, when I've all had major successes, it's when I'm working with someone else, even Mm -hmm. if it's all parallel. 
like you need someone who's willing to commit and they also have to really like to make games or be good at like you said in complementary areas mm-hmm. right and so in your case it might be art it might be something else and so mm-hmm. I don't, what what are your thoughts because the way i and you know the other option is that you find a way where you can start making money from your game right away then people will be a little more interested yeah. right which is difficult you know but at first when you're starting out but i mean it's mm-hmm. But like if you like, let's say you um, get a, go ahead and um, get a playable alpha version on Steam. Yeah. And you're already charging money. You yeah. could. Yeah. And even in the theory, community. you get somebody in. Yeah. Like I, I really think, like um, I really think that there are a lot of, um, especially developers, and I don't know about artists because I'm not that familiar with that many, yeah. but I know that there are a lot of developers who will, uh, who would love to work on a game. And if they um, have the chance, they will. Like the the thing is though, what is true, they will probably not quit their day job. <laughs> no, it won't so, until until it's making a ton of money. And the problem yeah, is, and is that you're not going to make a ton of money unless you're in the top one yeah, percent. Okay, so true. you have to get as an indie developer if you want to go from part time to full time. I feel mm-hmm. you need to be in the top one percent. Now that the concept, probably. you know, and and I think I think the other issue is that. Um, I think another approach that you kind of reminded me of that might work is that if you do post on Steam and you get a community around your game, mm. then you can actually get some people from the community to help you. Like you can literally pay them part-time or something else where it's just not as much because they may not be a developer, but they're an enthusiast. And they can give you a ton of ideas and, and actually help you develop the game. And, yeah, well, that, but you well, have I'm to build pretty- that community first. Oh, go ahead. It's true. Yeah. What I'm currently thinking about, but there I also have the community problem is um, because like right now I I got feedback for the game and um, people were kind of having problems with the controls. Yeah. Like they have a really hard time. It's it's like really weird to me because like all the people tell you all the time that you cannot see if your game is bad, and I always was like, why wouldn't I be able to see it? But now I saw it's like yeah. people have such a hard time with the controls, and I'm I'm just so used to them right now that it's so easy for me um, but um, I figured what I um, what I maybe want to try to do is um, post um, regular updates like I cannot do huge updates but I yeah. figured maybe I can give them options to play with like for me it's a physics based game so I can basically post five options for the controls and let them choose which one like I would probably choose the one as yeah. a default that I think is best and then they can um, switch between them and then rate once they switched the um, controls before yeah. so that I can get feedback. So I think that might work. But that, that works, but I feel like you have to be doing daily updates. Because you, know, you <laughs> mentioned that you only have like a day or two to work on this. And I think one issue, because mm-hmm. you know that approach of where you just do it alone, but then you build off the community's momentum and their feedback? Yeah. That worked big time with Minecraft, right? He posted mm-hmm. on TakeSource and kept on iterating really quickly and got feedback and kept on improving and that worked mm-hmm. right that gave him enough energy and momentum and then obviously he mm-hmm. got a business partner afterwards but it gave him enough momentum where he could then he didn't have to negotiate he didn't have to compromise mm-hmm. and things were moving forward and That's the true. thing is though you have to be willing to do those updates quickly so that people can give you feedback and it's like entertainment it can be part of their daily routine but if they have to think about it like if they if you don't release frequently then they forget about it and then how That's are you going to remind them? You might be able to do the email, hmm. which could work, but yeah. um, 
But I mean, I mean, if you did that with your current game where you did updates and you kept on uploading stuff, then I'm sure people would tell you, fix this control, whatever, and it's entertainment for them, you know? Yeah. I don't know if people yeah. are still doing that, if, if that whole <clears throat> entertainment approach where just the updates and the dev blog is like part of the media experience for these players is still captivating and, and inspiring because a lot more people do it, but mm, it's yeah. still a possibility. And But I feel like, I don't know, for me, I think it's so much easier when you actually have someone help you or at least a community around it because at least the community will tell you what to change. And provided you listen to them, that can help. But dude, like when you want to really innovate in a way that the community can't understand because they're not game developers necessarily and there's nothing mm -hmm. wrong with it, but they may not offer or understand mechanics that you want to take it to mm -hmm. that aren't even obvious in the current game right now. So <laughs> it's... It's a tough challenge, and I don't know mm. if you have any other suggestions on what to do. And the reason I mention <laughs> this is because, look, you took a risk with reducing your hours. And the question is, is, look, I've been in situations where if you work 40 hours in the wrong paradigm and in the wrong situation, mm. yeah. it don't matter. Versus if you do <laughs> one hour or two hours in the right way with the right setup and the right you mm. know, team or whatever, it can totally make a huge difference. And mm. And I think for a lot of indies, they would rather, instead of confronting the current issues and, and structural challenges with their current setup and development process, mm. they would just rather take the 40 hours of pain that won't produce anything <laughs> than try to set up the two hours of gold that will produce you know, a miracle. Mm. And I understand it's just so much more convenient to say, you know what? I'm just going to keep doing it myself or then I don't have to pay someone or this or that, whatever, but I don't know. So that, yeah, those for, are my thoughts, but yeah, for me, it's just a problem that the, um, the risk would increase drastically Yeah, for me because like, um, like, okay, let's say the, 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 the most where I don't actually don't have a lot of more risk is I get someone who's doing stuff and, um, I just give them a ref share, something like that. Like, yeah. let's say 50, let's say 50%, whatever. Sure. <clears throat> Which you I, can find I would be Reddit. fine, by the way, if, yeah. if somebody wants to do it. Like, for this game, it's actually, I don't really need artists, but, um, actually to think for this game, like, I think it really depends also on the scope. Like, I can, I could take a developer now, or maybe, like, what I really would like is some audio guy. Um, yeah. but, um, but basically, um, that's it because the the art is really not that like there's no art. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Yeah, and so so how would you find that person without having to pay a ton of money? And I think one option, which one person mentioned on the on the show, I think a few episodes back, which is to post on Reddit, mm -hmm. and he actually yeah. found his audio, which was really good audio. I mean, I played mm -hmm. the game and I really enjoyed the audio. He found the mm -hmm. person on Reddit. Yeah. And and I think that's another approach is you post on Reddit, you show that you already have an alpha or something. So mm -hmm. you're not like everyone else who's like, I want to do this, but I don't have anything started. Oh, I, I was contacted after posting the alpha on Reddit by um, someone oh, um, okay. for the audio. And I have, I'm also in contact because I have know someone, um, like personally, not really, but over a little bit, a little bit um, over some corners, but I, yeah, I basically know him and, um, so I'm currently um, talking to some people about that stuff. But um, I think that if you really want to get, like, Reddit might be a good idea because you get a lot of, I actually think I get 
the best feedback from Reddit right yeah, now. Yeah, right. Yeah, so Reddit seems to be working. And then if you actually – the thing is, though, you can't go to Reddit and say, I have nothing and I want to do whatever. No. You've got an yeah, alpha. No, no. If you, you post yeah. a beta or alpha, then do, boom. You, if you show that you're about to finish the game, mm-hmm. as we were talking kind of towards the beginning, which is, look, you have to show that this thing's going to succeed without, any, without their help. That if like, they get if they help you out, it's going to benefit them more than it benefits you, and and so then they have a game credit, they have something on their on their resume or blah blah blah, and <laughs> and and so so I think as based on our discussions, I think the best approaches are to either find someone through a game jam, which isn't always easy, I understand, but the other option is Reddit, especially mm-hmm. use Reddit if you're going to if you actually have something done that you've actually put in the effort and work and you. That's true. Yeah. I think the game the game gym stuff is a lot more easy though because if you I don't know like the 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 thing is obviously that you are um, um once you go into a game gym because of the constraints they put on you yeah. um you don't know what you're going to end up with so nobody has some the the next great idea they really want to push. Oh yeah, and that's true. And so so I think that helps a lot if then a group of people gets together and starts working on something and they really feel like it's good. I think they because then they all are invested. They all develop the idea yeah. together. And then you can start from the beginning. The 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 other thing is you basically need to have um stuff finished. And at that point um it's always a little bit tricky because like how well did you plan ahead for that? Like for me right now I would need to if I it took another dev- developer on. Yeah, I would need to comment my code a lot better because it's just not well commented, and all that stuff. So I think I I basically did it just for me, and I see uh, when I'm working in a team, which I do on my day job, I'm I'm putting way more effort into that people can understand stuff more clearly. Yeah, and I, and I, uh, and when I was saying game jam, I was just talking about meeting other people that could potentially help you out on your own project. Yeah. But I see what you're saying is that. The idea from the game jam itself might also, yeah. Um, I think lay the I think that's yeah. the that's a that's a. I actually heard a lot of stories um, about that. Like they might not be the most successful ones, but sometimes they are, and sometimes they aren't. I heard. A, I don't know what the game was called. It was also a local core, um, local multiplayer game for. I think it was Xbox and PS4 and and we or something like that and pc and everything but i almost didn't sell anything it was like crazy the oh, game looked really fun what was the game with the gold something with the gold where you put it on your head i, I oh, never yeah. actually played it <laughs> uh, but if yeah. it was local multiplayer maybe that's what what hurt it is yeah yeah i they said it hurt them a lot that it was local local multiplayer and that um they they couldn't quite get their audience i think like I don't yeah. know how much promotion they did. They, but it's like really hard. Like, what you know? What are you doing then, as an indie that wants to make make a successful game? What things are mm-hmm. you doing to improve your skills or your understanding of of being a successful indie to maybe help understand what you need to do for this game to make it succeed, mm-hmm. or even for your next game? So I'm listening to a lot of podcasts. Actually, I'm listening okay. to this podcast. I'm listen. I listen to. Um, I also listen to um, board game. I think. By the way, I really think that board game designers are far far more ahead than we are <laughs> in think so? thinking about games. Yes, I think so because <laughs> they they. I don't know why, but they, it seems like they um they they talk about um game design stuff way more 
where we as in the um, in the game development industry for the PC or for like digital, we talk a lot about um, technical problems and problems of setting up with how to interact with the community and everything. And they, if if you listen to the, it's really interesting. If you listen to their podcasts, it's a lot about how to design better, how what kind of decisions, um, how it impacts stuff. And we, like I. I actually, when I um, started to work on this game, I've always felt like it's pretty easy, but I'm having like, I don't know, the 100th iteration of my, of my controls. They still don't feel great. And like, there's like no real, nobody's really talking about that stuff or like very little because it's harder to talk about and harder to figure out what's correct, I think. Yeah. But yeah. And no, actually, what I think the reason why people aren't talking about it is because they don't know any better. I mean, like, I, I would love to have talked about controls, but. <laughs> I didn't think about doing that until now, right? Yeah. Like maybe we'll do that a little later. But <laughs> I feel like I feel like board game design is only part of it. I think that's the one issue yeah. is that because people are like, you know what, you should study board games, and yeah, to an extent, it's a little bit. But the one issue is that with with digital games, it a lot, it's a different medium, and yeah, so yeah. some of the games like you couldn't make Minecraft with a. I mean, maybe you could with a board game, but it just wouldn't. It wouldn't seem natural versus what Minecraft did, and and so that's why these technical issues might be just as important as the board game design. And so, if you're going to listen to a board game design podcast, you also have to consider a lot of the technical issues that can can oh, lend itself to new gameplay that wasn't even possible in a board game set. Yeah, but they talk about it stuff too. I just think okay. that um, they. Like they have problems with shipping and like that's yeah. like a whole not, a, a kind yeah, of different problem. Yeah, and their business models can be different too, yeah. right? It's, yeah, but, it's it's really different. But I, what, I just think they yeah. they have more. They put they already put more effort into um, maybe because it's easier to do them. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying. Yeah. Or also because they exist longer, but um, I think there's more effort put into the game design itself and not how to do a game or how to because like how to do oh, a yeah. board game you cut stuff <laughs> like, yeah no that's true that, that's and plus the marketing I so think i is think different. they're not going to be doing daily updates and then and then have no. the community tell them like you know fix this or whatever yeah, some of them do like some oh, of them really? have okay. yeah they have their playtest groups and they send out um rules updates from time to time but these are very dedicated oh, okay. communities yeah. so it's not not the same as for us. They have more problems with playtesting than than we do. They cannot just post an alpha online. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you have names of podcasts that you would recommend to listeners? In terms, I can of actually, yeah. yeah. Um, if you are interested in game design at all, you should listen to the Game Design Roundtable. It's really good. There's board games and digital games there, okay. and they they really know their stuff. It's a shame they only do it now twice. Every two weeks, oh, I think. Okay, that's decent. But that's yeah. But it's like they did it every week, and it was it's such a great. They are really, the people are most of them are pretty successful, and like yeah, I think that's a that's a good place. Then, um, obviously your podcast. Um, I'm also listening. I'm just rattling off the the ones I'm listening most sure. of the time to. Um, I'm listening to um, Lost Cast, which is a. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, indie, develop, indie developer and podcast um, from Lost Decade Games. They did a Wizard's Lizard and now a Wizard's Lizard 2. And I'm also listening to The Sausage Factory, um, 
which is kind of also an interview game show, which okay. is basically the stuff I listen most to, I think. Yes. I hope I didn't miss a podcast. Okay. I don't. With, with Lost Cast, do they really talk about game design a lot? I thought they mainly just talk about general game game stuff. Um, right now, they concentrate more on game design. They still okay. talk a lot. But um, because they figured that um, their last game, they really had some problems. Uh, it sold well, but they fig- they felt that it had some problems game-wise. Okay. So I think they talk about um, more game design than in the past, at least. <laughs> but um, I'm not only listening to um, game design podcasts. I'm listening to all kinds of podcasts about the gaming industry. Yeah. Oh, okay. And, Any other good podcast then that? Okay. Wait. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I should just pull up my list. I yeah, that'd be awesome. I think. <laughs> Give me a second. What is it called? Because my... I feel like I've checked. I've started checking out some of these other podcasts because you know, um, there's a lot of them coming up right now. <laughs> and so I, I was don't like, have my mobile phone here. I'm sorry. Okay. I no, don't know fine. where it is. That's fine. Yeah. Um, but I feel like. A lot of them are new, and so it's good to know which ones are actually good and useful versus ones that aren't. Yeah, but I think and consistent. Really, too. Uh, if you if you have to listen, I uh, want to listen to one podcast. You should listen to the the Game Design Roundtable. It's really good. Okay. Like they have, they have. Um, I don't know if you are at all familiar with board games, but they have the um, the guy that did um, Pandemic Legacy, which is like. A, a huge, a huge success. Like at least he helped um, yeah. with that. And then they have um, a guy who, who's working on a mobile game called Star Trek Timelines. Okay, yeah, and, yeah. And then they have um, one guy who is just doing board games on the side, and he's like doing a lot of smaller games. What was it? Tesla versus Edison and stuff. But they are really good. They, they really talk about. Oh, and Ludology is also a good podcast about. Ludology. Okay. About game design, yeah. It's, but it's also about game design. And then some of the other podcasts that you discussed um, or that you that you listen to, mm-hmm. I mean, what what are the themes of those? Is it just mainly about the industry, or is it about technical details, or what? What are the other podcasts that you normally listen to? Yeah, I like these are the main ones. I think. Um, then I have I have just some other random stuff. Like I listen to stuff you should know, which is just a podcast about stuff (laughs) i don't know and then i listen to the guy from game design roundtable one of them does another podcast which is called i don't know (laughs) but it's also just about technique basically talking about how i don't know how robots how robots will be or how i don't know how how technical stuff is influencing our life and how it's going to um, do in the future yeah so and like because the, most of the, to be honest, I think there's one other podcast which um, I'm listening to, which I also don't know the name. Um, it's a guy. Um, it's, a, it's basically um, it's a, also a um, digital um, talking about digital design. He did Aurora, the game. I don't know what the podcast is called. And he has like some interesting points of view. I most of the time disagree with him, but. <laughs> but it's really interesting to listen to him because he gives you a lot of ideas and like even if you don't agree I think it's really it's really interesting yeah and so what oh go ahead finish no that's that's what that's it <laughs> what I was going to also ask is I mean are there any other topics that you wish were on podcasts that you haven't heard of I mean I think one thing that I 
thought would be interesting or useful is just the technical details or technology and have, yep. being able to listen to that or find out more information. I don't know if podcast is the right place to do that. Maybe it is a YouTube video mm. rather than a podcast. Um, but just understanding some of the details or technical details related to game design or game development. And that can come in the form of, you know, understanding shaders in Unity or optimizing Unity or whatever it is, you know, other major tools or even the math behind, you know, 3D and stuff like that. But I know there are YouTube videos that kind of handle a lot of these topics. I don't know if podcasts are useful. Yeah, I, I don't know either. The the one issue we like um, with technology is that um, we have so many different ones. So, yeah. and not all the stuff applies to everything. Yeah, so that's one issue, right? And so if and, you did stuff like JavaScript and whatever, it may not even relate to a lot of people. Yeah, right? and even if you then um, abstracted um, one, one layer above, yeah. then most of the time the stuff is pretty well known and you get a pretty, pretty good idea. So I think it's hard. Like, don't get me wrong, I think it's cool yeah, to no, have exactly. stuff like that, like tutorials and stuff. That's really great. But I don't know if it's good for um, a podcast. Yes. Um, there's, there was another podcast called, uh, they basically, I think they canceled the game, sorry, the Game Design yeah. Dojo. And they yeah, talked yeah, about, I heard about that, yeah. And they talked about... Um, they talked about um, the marketing stuff, and I think that's also very interesting. Like for me, like I have no idea how I'm supposed to do all the marketing I should probably do and be better at it. And like I always try to to take shortcuts because it also takes so much time, but it yeah. always fails. If I'm trying to cut any edges, I'm always getting no response at all. Like if I'm sending a bulk email out, like just nobody, nobody answers, no matter how much time I put into the bulk email, it doesn't matter. Like, I don't know. It's, it's really weird. Um, well, that's because from my point of view as, you know, I get a ton of spam, like it feels like spam where it's just, everyone's mm -hmm. just announcing, look, it really comes down to what everyone says. You have to stand out, you know, mm -hmm. and it, whether it's your game has to stand out, also just how you contact people, everything you mm -hmm. do with every interaction with anyone, whether it's your players or blah, 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 it has to be unique and differentiated. Otherwise, you're just like everyone else. It's like, what's mm -hmm. the point? You know, no one's, yeah. you don't like it. Like you as a listener, you don't like to listen to podcasts that all sound the same. Either they yeah. have a unique perspective or they don't. Or they do a unique way or a unique style or a unique topic or they don't. And if you don't do that, then you're going to get hurt. I mean, that, yeah. I mean, that's really the truth. And, and I see what you're saying about the marketing, but I mean, it is good. I, I mean, I guess you're right. Maybe YouTube is the better way for tutorials, but because I'm trying to sing, even, even for my podcast show, I was just like, look, maybe I should have some kind of not interviews, but, and I think I did this a few episodes back, but it's like mm. just discussing stuff in the industry or discussing yeah, technology or ideas related to, kind of how you could do stuff but like you said some of the technology it won't even apply to you but i yeah, think but unity is is relatively popular but yeah. but do you go on youtube mainly to to learn about unity or do you go to other places or do you even really need a podcast or not for that so in the like i um i in the past i watched youtube videos just um talking about unity and explaining stuff yeah just so that i understand unity better um but I kind of um, went through all the stuff I'd liked, <laughs> the the people I liked, basically. Yeah. I I basically went through their content, and then that's fine. But like, I don't know, like how how many people do that. But if you talk about technical, just 
technique in, in overall and how it applies to you, like maybe talking about how VR um, is is doing and or what it does to gaming and yeah. like I think there can you can do great podcasts about it. That's another podcast I just thought about um, who talks a lot about VR. I I just can't remember all the names. Yeah. And um, but I think I think that's that's really good as well. But I really think the I, I really think there should be a podcast talking about how you do good game design in in the in the digital world because like you probably could can do it only in case by case because all the games are very different. Yeah. But um like let's say if you like I think it would be really interesting for people to maybe I don't know which games you made which kind of makes me feel bad but maybe you oh, you, you already said you had you um, worked on a couple of games maybe it would be, I think, really interesting for people to hear about the process you made a game and what what were the changes, what were the yeah. what were the twists that happened. I think that's really interesting, um, so that people understand what they get into and what um, what they have to look out. Okay, and so because I did a podcast recently on esports, and it's yeah. like, is that something you even care about, or or would no. you? I mean, did you were, did you listen to that, or do you prefer to? Yes, this? I listened. I, okay. I listened to the esports one um, because it was I, more short. And yeah, I, it's I much like shorter it. than these things. So that's why I was curious if you, if that even resonated with you. Because the reason I'm asking this is because for me, I'm like, look, I think I think one of the mistakes I made is that is that I should have been more proactive on some of these other things, like you were talking about, like controls, right? Mm. Just having a show on how to improve controls or the experience of improving controls. And understanding that would have been nice, you know. Mm-hmm. But that's something I didn't think about, and I'm more in the interview mode. And I think that, I think that, as developers, as I said, I think, and I was talking to someone else about this. Like, if you want to become a successful indie, you need to aim to be in the top one percent. And so the real question is: is how do you train yourself? What mm-hmm. activities? What knowledge? All these other things can you do to actually get to the top one percent? And part of that can be listening to these podcasts. Obviously, part of it is development and prototypes, and part of it Mm -hmm. is like, and I'm trying, and I'm trying to figure out how this podcast show can help people get to that one percent or point zero zero one percent. And I think interviews are, it's not enough. No, (laughs) I think I think what has to happen is that there has to be this insight on you know how you think about things. Like for Mm -hmm. example, there's esports how that relates to indie developers. There's VR, as you were talking about, and just the potential of VR to even market your game. Like the mm. fact that if you made a game, like you said, on mobile, there's so many people out there now. Mm. And so if you get on VR and you're one of the first 100 games or 200 games, then you stand out, provided you have a decent game. Yeah. Even if you don't have a decent game because there's not a lot of stuff yeah. in VR right now. And so then, if you go to the VR category, you yeah. will be seen, basically. And, and you know, you mentioned contacting Let's Play people, right? Mm. And there, a lot of them are now, at least some of them I've seen now, they're looking for VR stuff because for their audience, their audience is also curious about VR. Yeah, so obviously, yeah. If you have a game, ah, that's actually really true. I I never thought about it. It's yeah. really true. It's VR is great for um for let's plays. Oh God, it's so good. Exactly right. I, and I cannot believe I didn't think about this before, but it's really true. It's like, yeah. and and I feel like so maybe I can have discussions on that. But also, I don't know if you noticed on the podcast show, there's a book on mobile game design or mobile game development, and, and mm-hmm. well, I, I was actually thinking about doing that for VR too. Mm. But I guess like you as a listener. <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, what else would you want from a like? What would it take for you to get to that point zero zero one percent or top one percent? Obviously, besides commitment, what else? <laughs> if I knew that, if I knew that, I would be at the top one yeah. percent. I don't know. Like, um, what basically what I'm like. I'm always trying to like um, do broad things. Like I think the the interviews are fine, so that you hear yeah, people talk about their experience. It, yeah. But it's not like it's it not doesn't. Enough. It yeah no. And but like but I think um, so I, maybe I think maybe I should want, do videos t on technology or even game design prototyping and stuff like yeah. that. So I think you I think that would be really interesting for people to see. Like yeah. I think postmortems are really interesting. Like. Um, like I think there's a lot of um, insightful stuff that you can learn yeah. um, afterwards, and yeah. Yeah, but, but I think like, I think for the listeners, it has to be a blend of all of that. It can't just be listening. It can't just be even watching tutorials. Nope. You have to be prototyping. You have to be releasing. You have to be doing a lot yeah. of different things. Yeah. yeah, indie game doing indie games is kind of a lifestyle, basically. Like yeah. if you if you are not really committed to it, like I I read somewhere that. What was it? Ninety-five percent of all games um, operate at a loss. So yeah. I don't know. Well, I <laughs> so that, that's just insane to me. Like if I every time I, I think about it, I just have to. Well, laugh. No, no. the it's reason why it's ninety-five percent is because most people think of it as a hobby. It's like it's like music mm -hmm. was thirty or forty years ago, where people would just mm -hmm. buy um, a guitar, right? And yeah. they think they're going to become a musician. But look, is you have to you have to be good. You have to have the artist part, you know, the artist passion, but you mm -hmm. also have to blend it with the craft. You have to do the marketing. You have to do a lot mm -hmm. of these other things or at least make a good quality product, mm -hmm. understand the engineering. Like, for example, even if you have a genius game, if the download yeah. size is so large that, <laughs> you know, it takes an extra second or two seconds to download it, you lose more people. I mean, I mean, it's that simple. I know it's crazy to think like that. And there are AAA games that I understand that are like four or five gigabytes and people don't care. I understand that. But it, And it depends on your audience, right? But if you're on mobile and yeah. you look at a lot of these devices, it seems like they can't even support that many apps. Like you run out of space. Yeah. And, and then you have to be like, wow, if, if I'm competing for space, then if my app is 50 megabytes, then I could get mm. hurt. Like people aren't going to download it. If it's five megabytes or 10 megabytes, then I have a chance. Mm. As, as an indie that isn't established, you know? Yeah, it's true. My app was 50 megabytes. It was not good. I, I know a lot of people who almost couldn't install it that I knew of. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know, these are subtle things that people yeah. don't consider, but yet that's part of the game design craft, game development craft. Yeah, but, but I think Stuff like that is also really interesting for people. Like for me right now, I'm thinking about how what is the best way for me to set up a like that's really technical now, but anyway, um, to set up an update system so that people don't always have to um, yeah. download the entire game again Wait, or but, go to a website. It, I actually would be fine if they download the entire game because I think they have broadband and it should be fine. Yeah. The game is not that big, but they don't. I don't want them to go to um, to another website and like all that stuff like. Yeah, it's so much, but it's so much like at the beginning, it was something completely different. So I think depending on the step you are in, you always need to look for the solutions yourself. Yeah. And yeah, maybe just documenting your decisions and why you made them would also be interesting. Okay. But it's like really hard. Ah, well, I listen to, yeah. Do you another actually, podcast? Yeah. Yeah. Well, do you actually care about, um, do you study like game design and math and, and, 
those things on YouTube because I think there's a good channel on just mathematics for game developers. Do you even care about that or study that or? So um, um the math stuff I actually think is like um I I didn't spend that much time yet in. I'm also not quite sure like um if it's that useful for Unity itself. I mean you need vector math and stuff. Yeah. But I I learned that in school and like. I I can oh, get yeah, around. Okay. It. Yeah, if you already so, know it and and how to use LERP and all that other stuff. Um, yeah, but like yeah, for me the the approach I think is a little bit different. Like the the LERP stuff, I yeah. I just um I misused and I at some point I basically I'm trying stuff out and then I'm reading about it at the same time and then at some yeah. point I I will get the because actually the LERP in Unity is quite often misused like i think 90 yeah. no it, you know <laughs> so then maybe as as a podcast or audio or, or or even video it's just to literally focus on one use of a unity mechanic or game mechanic that yeah. you could put into your game yeah um, i think documenting your your progress if you're working yeah. right now is also a good idea because i i just thought about it there there are some other board game gamers which is called uh, what is it i I just can't remember. It doesn't really matter. Um, but they basically, they, they even, um, market themselves as the, a documentary podcast. And they oh, yeah. just, okay. they just say what they do right now. Basically, they, they, um, work on board games in their spare time as well. Yeah. And like, you just hear them, whatever, say, Oh, I tested out this or, and then yeah. I, I went to, to, um, to this conference and that, we, that is um, crazy for me. I would never consider that because <laughs> for me, I actually do games that are more casual games. That's what I prefer. Yeah. And I know most of the listeners are not into that. I don't, I, I mean, you don't play casual. Yeah. I think what we discussed, you don't play casual games. So yeah, I mean, like, um, yeah, I, but I consider I myself to get that. more casual game, but I don't think what you consider as casual games. I'm, I, I have some people I play some some more mobile casual games with, like if I meet them, and I'm playing um, Ascension on mobile a lot with my girlfriend. So, but um, yeah, I'm not that huge into into the real casual games. I think like yeah, yeah. like not what people would consider as casual games, I guess. But like for me, Hearthstone is almost casual. So. Oh wow, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's not. I think yeah, you're right. That's so, not your idea of casual. So, no, it's because not. like I can drop in and off really quickly. You know, like it's actually it's actually really casual for me because like you have only five minutes game time. Yeah. You can drop in and out. I can but that's still hardcore compared to I think Clash Royale or some of these other Oh I played Clash Royale. I think actually Clash Royale is a more competitive than Oh okay. It is actually it I don't think it is actually more competitive than Hearthstone, I would say. Because like it's it's all based. I really liked it, but um, it's a little bit too much um, free to play for me. Okay, yeah. It's a and, little bit crazy. And that's the it's thing. That's, a little too hard. that's why I've just decided. And I don't know if it's a good idea because I can totally see how it'd be nice to. Because you know what I notice is that a lot of the listeners and indie, like indie game developers, they're just they're. I'm I'm in a completely different perspective, and I just really don't like half ninety percent of the games that they work on because I work on more casual and in a different audience. And so, mm-hmm. I you know I see what you're saying about actually sharing that information, and I there could be a benefit. But what I learned is that I'm no longer going to try to get feedback from a community that <laughs> that can't even play my they don't want to play my game. I'm like yeah, but- a freak. You know, I was actually you know like and so I spot these trends that could be really huge, but they don't even relate. To what you know, the hardcore or you know, most of the listeners here do, and 
but I don't think that's really important. Like, um, you're right. Maybe you... there could be one piece of information they give me, or, or even some support. I just, I don't know. I, I used to do that before, where I was to, like, you know, say like I'm working on this and working on that. But mm-hmm. I, I think, I think you know what? Maybe back then I, I didn't really even know, understand a lot of the other parts of game development, and so mm-hmm. <clears throat> I just assumed that sharing information with the game community, game development community, it was actually counterproductive. And oh. maybe that wasn't the case. Because it is. It is counterproductive. If you think about it, people look, like you said, free to play. You're against it, right? And yet... No, I'm not. Oh, I'm you're not, not. Okay. Well, indie I'm developers against... at one time... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. But I'm not against free okay, to play. Okay, they were completely against in-app purchases. Yeah, yeah I know. Okay, yeah, but so I'm like, oh my God. Like, but, but, like, to be honest, I... I don't think I. I hope I. God, I will get so much hate for this. But I think that's just not a good approach to yeah. to look at stuff at all. Like you cannot say it's bad because it is. Like if you actually, I I listened to. I don't know who. Ah, it was on the game design roundtable. They um, they um the the guy who make make Star Trek timelines. He did some other games before, and I'm really sorry that I forgot. But um, yeah. um he said that um. There are different free-to-play models, and I don't. Most, I think most of the people don't even know that. <laughs> like there are even different free-to-play models themselves, and then um, that the, for me, like the the pro- problem with Clash Royale is that I think what they are trying to do is they they are trying to get to the top one percent <laughs> and get to pay them a lot of money. Yeah. But the problem for me is that um that that's a fine thing, and I think you can actually do it without hurting the normal players too much. Actually, I think you have to do it without hurting them too much because then other way in if you don't do that people will just drop off yeah but um for me it was it felt it really felt a lot like if i'm getting something i i'm continuing to pro um to do more progress and i can't really maybe it was just because i didn't have enough options for me like in like in a game as hearthstone i didn't care as much because at every um, step of the way i always had stuff to do and stuff to try with Clash Royale, it was not the case. I was at a point where I could see I need to grind now for, I don't know, time, a lot of time to get to the next step. And that's actually what made me drop off. It's not that I um, I didn't enjoy the game. I actually enjoyed the game quite a lot, but it was just, maybe it was because it's more um, it's more aimed at a casual audience at the same, same time being really competitive because it has all this ranked stuff and matchmaking and and ranks and so but for me it was just because i saw that i need to grind and every time i see i need to grind i drop off a game okay that i just yeah i it's like i cannot do it anymore it's that that time is gone i cannot play diablo just because yeah. i want to have an item i can i cannot do any of this stuff it's just it my time is i don't want to waste my time like that anymore yeah, yeah. i mean and yeah so i don't know i mean i i think I think there was a fear element in in just me talking about the games I worked on because I really was sick of, you know, like, because I was doing free-to-play a long time ago. Mm -hmm. And there's so many other new types of games. Like, for example, you know, there's user-generated games. There's new types of genres that don't really appeal to the main audience of this uh, podcast. But, you know, they, they, they attract completely different people. Like mainly women or casual gamers, and and maybe I should have been more sharing of that. I've just I've just come to the realization that 
I think you need to have the best feedback loops. And for example, you showing this game to your girlfriend, maybe that's part of it, but you can't consider that as as good good user feedback potentially, especially if she's not your target audience, right? No. She's and, not. No. Yeah, right. And so she can give you some feedback, but dude, it's just crazy. Like maybe she'll tell someone randomly that might get some more marketing. So mm -hmm. if I expose stuff that gets more marketing, but I don't know. But you oh, can still ahead. get get uh, like first of all the question is if you um like the podcast I don't know how much help it gives you anyway like I think it's more marketing for you and if you talk about oh, your games yeah. no I guess it really he, doesn't help I mean I guess it it does yeah, look anything you don't good you talk do about your games. well you know I mean just in general does the does the podcast help and I don't know I mean look I'm I'm happy that I could help some people in some way but yeah. ultimately. That's what I'm trying to figure out is how to make a podcast that's mutually beneficial, right? And so part of that is just, look, how can I use this podcast to get better at game development, game design, stuff like that, and also benefit listeners too? And we'll see. But I really, yeah. I really think the easier way for you would be, and I, I think like maybe I'm wrong, but I think that most people would also enjoy hearing about mobile game development and what goes into the process, even if they don't play it, because oh, like yeah. I... Because like it's it's interesting just to hear like um, a different perspective, yeah. and if you talk about your game, like actually I know that most of the podcasts I listen to regularly, I buy their games. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> even you know, if I know, I know. Most, even if I know that I'm not really, um, I yeah. don't really play these games. Like I bought a Wizards Lizard one, and I will buy the second one at some point. I just didn't want to do it in alpha because I really don't want to. Yeah, you know what? I, I think I think I did make a mistake on that approach, and it's something I might correct because um, I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens. But you can you can switch also around. Like yeah, no. You, I'll, look, or... I'll try experiments. I'm open. look. For example, I did a mentorship thing, um, you know, a, a few months ago, and it was an amazing experience. It was just I just figured, you know what? I'll try this as an, as an experiment, and just. What did you... Oh, um, I offered a mentorship to so anyone who said that they they're interested in actually getting help to finish their game. Oh, cool! I don't know if you saw that, but I posted. No, that. I did. Okay, yeah. You know why? Maybe because you don't go, you don't visit the website. You maybe listen through your podcast. Yeah, yeah. Um, I have a pod feature. Yeah, whatever. yeah. You know, so I should have maybe mentioned there mentioned it there. But I did an, a mentorship, and it was amazing because you know it was a completely different perspective than mm -hmm. what I would normally consider, and. And so that was a mutually beneficial situation because they got their game done. They would have not normally finished their game that fast. And I got just a different perspective. And That's cool. Huh? I think I think for indie developers, they have to consider sometimes doing stuff like that, which is just mm -hmm. help other random people because it helps you, you know. Um, mm -hmm. But I know I'm taking away focus. Um, but... But it's good to know kind of like for other – because I, I know there are some listeners who are also part-time and they're trying to figure out how to get full-time. Mm -hmm. And I think part of that is just understanding like you, like you willing to listen to a lot of these other things but also being able to do these other things like development and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah. so I think uh, – yeah, I guess is there anything else you want to mention? Because what <laughs> I was thinking is that um, maybe we'll just break up this podcast into two parts. Okay, <laughs> and because it's it's like already an hour. I don't think most people are going to listen past that for yeah. for a one whole thing. Um, unless, mm -hmm. or do you feel that we're done? <laughs> do you feel no? We can we can continue talking. It's fine. Okay, um, cool. I'm having a great time. Um, 
we can talk about, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we can talk about it. where you're going to go. We'll also talk about this. I think what we should discuss is techniques and you know what is going to be required to actually get to the top. Because mm -hmm. for those people who are listening, some of them have that goal and that, that drive to like, you know what, what is it going to take? And they don't know. Because honestly, yeah. it's not mentioned that you have to be in the top 1%. It's, it's mm -hmm. implied. Yeah. And people, people they, they understand that you have to be really good to get success, but they don't even know how to get to the top 1%. You know, there's, mm -hmm. there is a path to get to the top 1%. Mm. Yeah. I, I'm not sure. Like, I'm always, I really enjoy the guy from Lost Decade Games because yeah. I feel like they, they are not in the top 1% <laughs> and they can still make a living and I'm always... Well, I'm saying, because I was just listening to them recently and, okay, you know what we'll do is we'll, okay, we're going to end off the podcast okay. here and we'll okay. pick it up yes. on, on part two. So, okay. um, so once again, thanks again. And, yeah, and what, uh, for the listeners out there, where can they check out your, um, the game and, you know, more information about the game you're working on? Yeah, so um, you can just visit um, www.parttimeindie.com and there you click on games and then we'll glow the wisp. And or if you um, want to, you can go directly to IndieDB if you um, are familiar with the site and search there for Will Glow the Wisp. Yep. And then um, there will also be the download and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, cool. So thanks again for your time. This is part one of this interview. And um, stay tuned for part two. Yeah. Take care. Thanks. Yep. Have a nice Bye. day. Bye.